Welcome to the Business Made Simple podcast, where we coach you to run your business like an airplane. The cockpit is leadership. The body is your overhead. The right engine is your marketing. The left engine is your sales. The wings are your products. And the fuel tanks are your cash flow. If you build the six parts of your business correctly, it will fly far and fast. Each week, we help business owners just like you optimize their airplane. I'm your host, Donald Miller. Today, we are revisiting some of our favorite highlights from 2021. If you've been wondering why we keep talking about airplanes, you're going to understand in just a minute. In this first highlight, you're going to listen to Dr. J.J. Peterson, Kula Callahan, and myself explain how a business actually works like an airplane. Once you think of your business like an airplane, you will never think of it differently again, and you will intuitively know how to run it much, much better. This highlight is actually from the very first episode ever of the Business Made Simple podcast. Enjoy. We want to go through every part of the airplane here and just give you a cursory introduction. Here's what I think you need to know in the cockpit. Here's what your leaders need to know. One, they need a life plan. My friend Kurt Richardson started a company called Otterbox. He became a billionaire, and he started a bunch of other companies. He will not let any CEO take over one of his companies unless they've done their personal life plan because the personal mission of that leadership needs to be reflected in the mission of the organization. Mm -hmm. And that's the second thing that you need in the cockpit. You need mission statement and guiding principles, and they need to be clear and direct. You need to understand them. You got to know where this thing is going and why it's going there, and that information needs to be distilled throughout the entire organization through a communication framework which is also part of Business Made Simple. And that's so key because when anybody that's in the plane, essentially, who is who is flying with the pilot, with the leadership, if they don't know where they're going, they're panicking. Yeah. They don't want to get on that plane. You are going right? to drive it, them crazy. If it is unclear about where you're going and why... It's a mental health hazard. Nobody will get on that plane. What does the body represent? The body represents the overhead. And so this is, you know, what you talked about is a lot of the the salaries, the rent, all of the stuff that goes into making the business run on kind of a, just a functional level. Yeah. But a lot of times people put, make the body, like you said, so big compared to the wings and the engines that the plane can never take off. Right. And one of the things that you want to start thinking of is how can you obviously lower overhead and increase profit? And I think one of the real practical ways to do that is to start thinking of every position in the company through the lens of how do we make this position about making more profit? Right. So even people who are answering the phones, a front receptionist, yeah. that's not overhead. You have the potential to turn that into a money-making position. So it's kind of become a mantra among our, among our team, and it's the stop spending and start investing. So if you can think about every dollar that your company spends on overhead as an investment that gets you a return, it changes the mindset of your entire team. All right. The right engine is marketing. JJ, yeah. you are the marketing guy. You're <laughs> the, marketing. the marketing doctor. <laughs> he is the, yeah, he's the marketing <laughs> doctor. Tell us, what, what do we need to do when it comes to marketing to make the thrust of that airplane move forward, yeah. lift the wings off the ground, and carry the overhead with it? Yeah. It, at its most basic level, the engine will not work if you do not have a clear message. That's right. If nobody can understand what you do efficiency. or how they get it, it will not work. It will get all gummed up. Nothing will happen, right? So you have to have an absolute clear message. And the big thing that we teach is don't 
make the message about you, make it about your customer. Right. Invite your customer into a story and you're going to see your marketing be more effective. When I go into a company and I look at their marketing and it's the messages, even before we get into their marketing methodology, yeah. their message is so muddled. It's like sitting on an airplane and watching black smoke come out of the right <laughs> engine. Yes. <laughs> yes. Just going, terrifying. This ain't going to last long. Yep. After they clarify their message though, what do they need to do? They need to create a sales funnel. Yeah. And, and just very simply, they need to have a great one-liner that explains what they do, a website that clearly invites customers to buy from them, a lead generator that gets more people in the funnel, yeah. sales emails, and nurture emails. I mean, if you don't have at the bare minimum those five things, you're not going to get off the ground. Even if you are, don't consider yourself a marketing person, this will up your value in the marketplace. Left engine is the sale. So not every airplane needs two engines. There's a lot of, many airplanes just have one, smaller airplanes. I would always recommend starting with marketing not sales. Start with marketing. Then marketing is your air cover for your sales team. Yeah. There's two things you need to think about. One is a sales framework. That is a salesperson takes people down a pipeline that ends in a sale. So you need a sales framework. You also need an administrative structure. You've got to streamline the efficiency of that sales system. That's a whole other world. That's the left engine. Kula, the wings of the airplane are our products. That's and right. what's important when you're thinking about creating a product or, or uh, you know, somebody's got an idea, I think if we did this, we could make some money. Mm -hmm. We don't just say yes to that right. in, internally. What are the things that we look for? Well, first we look for whether or not that product is actually in demand. So do customers actually want it? Does this product actually solve some sort of problem that our customers are dealing with? Mm -hmm. And so you've got to sort of identify whatever problem you're solving with the product. And if it doesn't solve a problem, then you probably shouldn't create it because it's not going to be in demand right. and people aren't going to want it. Fuel tanks. This is the most important part. It's cash flow. Fuel is cash. If you do not have cash, the plane will crash. <laughs> Ooh, that's a, you yeah, should make that a bumper go. sticker. <laughs> that's the name of a book. T-shirts, T-shirts. You need five checking accounts. You need a tax account. You need an operating expense account. You need a profit account. You need a personal uh, income account, and you might need a personal savings account or at least a safe profit account. You need six times what your monthly uh, expenses are in an account. If you think about cash and always having cash on hand, it's everybody's safety. It's everybody's jobs. It's not having to lay people off. It's the ability to do some expensive research and development. We don't mess around with the gasoline in that engine. Right. Yeah. And the number to watch is Profit per employee ratio. Mm -hmm. That's the number. What that is the equivalent of is miles per gallon. Yep. So, and you say, well, Don, how do you, that sounds so complicated. <laughs> it's profit divided by employees. <laughs> That's all it is. By the way, employees the person who asked that question was And me. listen, if you're going, if your profit per employee goes up one year, what happened was the horizontal stabilizers on the back of the airplane tilted down and the airplane went up and the altitude increased. Right. That's all it is. Yeah. And so when you say, well, how do you tell altitude? It's profit per employee ratio. That's how you know if you're going up or you're going down. Mm -hmm. All right, now that you understand that a business works like an airplane, I want to play for you a highlight from an episode I did with John Lee Dumas. Now, John Lee Dumas has a podcast called Entrepreneurs on Fire. And in this conversation, he talks about the processes, the systems and processes that he created in order to make his podcast run like a machine. So 
This highlight has to do with the ride engine because if you have a podcast and you're talking about your business, it's definitely going to push the airplane forward. But we're also talking about the wings because systems and processes are things that we can use to create products. If you feel like your life is chaos and that you're running a business by the seat of your pants, you need systems and processes. And this highlight, again, my conversation with John Lee Dumas is going to help you create just that. If you have a zone of genius, if you have a zone of fire, if you're like great at doing one thing, everything else is a distraction from that. And so from day one, and I couldn't do this day one, but from day one, my goal was to say, hey, how can I look at my plates, which has 10 things on it, but there's only two things that I'm great at. How can I take eight of those things off of my plate, but still effectively be doing those eight things within my team, within my business, within my community, and that's where I was bringing on VAs and outsourcing to independent contractors, building and designing what I call a content production plan. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. And that's the key, brother. If you have a content production plan, life gets simple. Let's back up because you said something that's really interesting. A content production plan. Are you open with what yours looks like? How you, how you came about doing it? What your, you know, what the flow is, if you will, on the factory floor? So I have five days per month where I'm focused. I do two days per month where I'm doing 16 interviews for Entrepreneurs on Fire, where I'm doing eight on one day, eight on day two. I have one day per month where I'm a guest on 20 other podcasts, back to back wow. to back, 15 minute increments. And that's my guesting on other podcasts that I commit to every single month. Who's booking that for you real quick? Because that's a big thing. So do you have a booking agency that's booking that for you? So I have a scheduler with a link that when my assistant gets an email asking if I will be on somebody's podcast, they reply with that scheduling link that says, John would love to be on your show. There's no you know, download requirement. There's no number right. of episode release. I have no requirements, but my only requirement is it's only 15 minutes long. You are dictating the agenda. You are saying, I'll give you 15 minutes. It's not hey, will you have me on and I'll jump through whatever hoops you want. That's a philosophical foundational underpinning of what's making the whole operation work. Makes these interviews better, brother. Like I believe me, like I actually say in the little thing that when they have to fill out the scheduler, it says, listen, just skip the tell me about yourself question. Like you can do that <laughs> on your own as a professional podcaster, find out what my story is, record it on your own, Take those five minutes back and we can have 15 minutes of a very meaningful conversation, which if used correctly, is plenty of time to get a ton of value across. Do you have somebody who is preparing you for an interview? Not, not podcasts that you're going to be on, but when you have somebody on, is somebody, has somebody prepared a prep sheet for you? Great question. So when somebody fills out the um, scheduler to be on Entrepreneurs on Fire, there's things they have to fill in. Number one is their proposed title. So I want to see like what they would call the podcast episode if they had the choice. And sometimes we go with that. Sometimes we change it up a little bit knowing our audience. We also have them submit four to six bullet points of what they would have the interview flow be. Because again, it would be interesting to see what they think would be a great flow based off of their knowledge, based off their expertise. And sometimes we use that. And sometimes we add some different things. Sometimes I throw in a few curveballs. And I don't do any research about the guest whatsoever, except for the 30 word bio they send. So I know the 30 word bio, which of course is the highlights, but that's all that I know. And there's a reason why I do this. Number one, I'm kind of lazy at heart. So like, I just don't want to put in the work to like really do a lot of research. That's just a lot of work and a lot of effort. Number two, I am a big believer 
in the curse of knowledge. Yeah, me too. When Don Miller's like asking a question or saying something and I just get it because I follow all of his stuff and I consume all of his great content, I'm not going to follow up with a question that I know my audience is screaming into their earbuds because I just assume that everybody knows it because I have the curse of knowledge and I don't want that to happen. So I, I approach things with curiosity. But I, again, I want to be very clear. It's like a combination of being lazy and wanting to be curious. If you can create your content production plan around that philosophy, everything becomes better because you wake up, that day is your Super Bowl, that day is your World Cup, and you just deliver on those days. And then the other days you recharge, you refresh, you work on other parts of your business, whatever that might be, batching like a baller. If you want to hear the rest of that conversation, go back and check out episode 12 of the Business Made Simple podcast. Next, my conversation with Ryan Dice. Ryan is the CEO over at Digital Marketer. And so, of course, we're going to talk about the right engine. You know, when you fire up that right engine with a marketing strategy that that you've got from start to finish running incredibly well, your airplane will start moving so fast you're going to rip the paint off the side of it. You have to get a sales funnel. So let's talk about ramping up that ride engine. Here's a little highlight from my conversation with Ryan Dice at Digital Marketer. Let's say there's somebody, they make pies. They've got a pie company. They're selling a little bit at the local farmer's market. Ten years later, they're a $20 million pie company. What happened between the farmer's market and the $20 million in terms of marketing? How did, what did Acme Pie Company do first to grow? The first thing that you got to do is begin at the end. Like in, invariably as a company, like if you get any traction whatsoever, um, what you have to ask yourself is how is this happening and how do I get more of it? Right. So right. how did that sale occur? Well, somebody was at the farmer's market, they walked by, maybe they smelled the pie, you know, and, and they said, I want to buy one. So what you have there is you got a product and you have a channel. In this case, your sales channel is the farmer's market. Now, right. what most people want to do when they think about marketing is they, they geek out and they're like, oh, you know what I need to do now that I understand this marketing thing is I need to be in every single channel. So obviously I got to be, you know, selling our pies. You know, we need to be advertising in Facebook and Google and uh, I, I need a TikTok strategy, obviously. Right? And they try <laughs> to do 17 billion different things. And yeah. what I tell people is step number one is to first clarify how are your current sales happening and how do we get more of those in the same way? It's always easier to expand within a channel that's already working than it mm, is yeah. to take your product into new channels. So that's kind of the first step. So first step is just, we got to sell more pies at the farmer's market. Yeah, bingo. And you, would that be, would you say signage and coupons that you're passing out? Or, or Yeah, I mean, so let me talk about the process and then we'll get into maybe some of the tactics. So the okay. process is you start from the sale. So that the sale occurs, that is, that is, that is the, it's not the last stage of the customer journey, but it's the, you know, it, it's, it's kind of that, that, that part where you got a buyer. Now, what you want to ask yourself is, okay, what happens immediately before that? So we want to start at the sale and work our way backwards because marketing's job is not to sell. Marketing's job is to generate more sales conversations, whether that sale is occurring in the physical space, like getting more people into the right. store to walk up to your farmer's market or uh, stand, or it's you know getting more visitors to come watch a video on your website or attend a webinar. Right. Marketing's job is to generate more of those um, sales conversations. I'm throwing up the air quote because it may not be a literal conversation. So how do we get more of those within the, the confines? We're going to just move one step prior in the customer journey, which is somebody walking up to the stand. 
right? All right, how do we get more people to walk up to the stand? Well, better signage, right? Maybe maybe you say, I want to put a sign for the pies, like right out at the entrance. So they, they come and you know, find ours. So the, the, the philosophy is you always want to start from a process perspective. You want to start from the sale and work your way backwards and optimize in reverse. Everybody simply wants to say, how do we get more people showing up? That's not really the answer. You start from the end, you work your way backwards and you optimize each and every step. Now, once you have maximized that, when, and I would think at a farmer's market, you know, you're going to maximize gonna, it pretty quickly, right? You're going to maximize it pretty quickly. So now the question is, we need to expand our channels. You know, maybe you're getting people just to walk up. So how do I get more people to actually come up to my stand? Well, let's get out in front of it and offer samples, right? So that is a Got good it. example of Got moving it. away from um, that's a better signage sampling. All of these are tactical things that are designed to do what? Get more people to walk up to the stand. Um, but yeah, you're probably not going to get to $20 million um, doing that. So maybe you're thinking like, oh, okay, how do we expand within the same type of channel that we have right now? Right. So that's the first thing. So now you would be looking for other farmers markets. You'd be looking for other opportunities uh, in a similar environment. And then Where that- the sales motion is the same, right? Gotcha. So okay. that's the key. So if we're going to expand everybody again, they want to you know, they want to just go and get more traffic and get more awareness, right? But if you know that you've got this selling strategy that works, let's drive more people into that specific conversation. And that's, that's what you want to do first. If you want to listen to more of my conversation with Brian Dice, it's actually a two-part conversation. Those are episodes 19 and 20. Okay, when you engineer your business like an airplane, and when you get that right and left engine fired up and that airplane starts moving through the air, the next thing that happens is you start to grow. Well, as it relates to hiring people, our own Dr. J.J. Peterson had a fantastic conversation with Erin Meyer. She is co-author of the book, No Rules, Rules, Netflix and the Culture of Reinvention. You know, it's a, it's a different age where workers want to stay at home, where the office has become just sort of a casual place where you get together. So we're all looking for wisdom as it relates to attracting talent and retaining talent. This conversation has to do with the cockpit because your leaders are the ones who do that, but also the body of the airplane because that's where everybody sits inside of it. And it's got to be lean and efficient. You want the best people in there who can get the most work done and you want them to stay. Now there's a challenge. Here is JJ's conversation with Aaron Meyer. Most companies are really treating their employees like children, right? So the idea is, you know, we have we hire great people, but then we monitor them and we make them check in all the time and we tell them what they can and can't do. And that makes leadership feel in control. But at the same time, the most creative kind of people, they don't want to work there. They're going to go work somewhere else, right? So at Netflix, um, they were like, okay, well, once we get these really top performers, we're just going to give them lots of freedom to make good decisions by themselves. But you were bringing up, you know, the vacation policy, which of course catches people's attention and the, also the, the travel policy or expense policy, which are simply act in Netflix's best interest. Um, but I would say that those are really just symbols, right? Those are, are symbols of freedom, which is like, okay, dear, dear employees, I want to show you that I know you'll, you'll act responsibly. And when I show you that, then you'll behave, you'll return 
return by acting responsibly. But the bigger things at Netflix, I mean, the bigger freedoms, I actually think are much more important. Uh, and I want to give you this kind of leadership image. So they say two things, right? One thing that they say is don't seek to please your boss seek to do what's best for the company, right? And then the other thing that they say is lead with context, not control. And the image is, if in most organizations, the decision-making uh, image is like a pyramid, right? So you have, the, of course, the chairman who's at the top and the lower-level employees who are at the bottom. Low-level employees, they can make small, unimportant decisions, but for anything important, it has to get pushed up the organization, the ladder for approval. Right. Um, but at Netflix, instead, they um, they have this image of a, a decision making tree. And with the tree, you know where the chairman is. He's in the dirt. Right? <laughs> so you have the chairman who's all the way down there at the roots of the tree and in in the dirt, setting the context for the organization. This is the way that we are running. These are, are the things we need to keep in mind while we're making decisions for the organization. This is our North Star, right? And then the senior executives are at those big trunks of the tree, setting more context for their areas. But then it's those, those lower or mid-level managers who are out there kind of at the branches that are, are the, the tiny branches, the leaves who are making the, the big, sometimes multi-million dollar decisions every day for the organization based on the context that was set for them. And really creative people, you know, they want to be able to dream big and then make things happen. So one of the, one of the whys is that it attracts and keeps top talent. If you enjoyed JJ's conversation with Aaron Meyer, go back and listen to episode number 34. All right, finally, one last highlight from one of my favorite guests. She's actually been on a couple of times. Her name is Hala Taha. She runs an organization called Yap Media, Young and Profiting, and she does a lot of things. Helps people build their, their LinkedIn brand, helps them uh, build podcasts, all that kind of stuff. How to build your personal brand is kind of Hala's thing. But in this episode, we actually talked about how she built her own company using interns. She has a fantastic internship program. And if you are looking for a way to keep the body of your airplane, that is your overhead, lean, internships might be a solution for you. The key once they're in the door is to believe in them, is to mentor them, is to train them and to actually have skills yourself where you can train them so that they respect you and feel like, oh my gosh, I'm in a place where I'm learning so much and Hala really uh, takes me under her wing and I'm and she's so successful and I want to be like her and and getting them towards that journey. And then also keeping it fresh because for me, it's like once somebody learns something and they do it as good as I would do it, they have to get paid or they need to move on to another project that they're learning again from scratch and in a learning environment. As soon as I feel like they're providing more value than I'm giving them in terms of the learning that they're getting and the skills that they're acquiring, that's when somebody has to start getting paid officially. Did you put together a system that you that interns were going to have a a, a six-day on-ramping and then they were going to have this and then, and then here were their job descriptions. A little bit of work involved, right? I think I think we've gotten more sophisticated over time. I think, you know, at first it was very like, you know... Just, they just get to hang out with you. Yeah. And, you know, we'll take random calls and figure this out together. Then, you know, I think it got a, a bit more streamlined where we start off the internship program with a boot camp. 
And it's like a week-long program where you kind of get immersed in everything. And we've got all these specific decks and homework assignments that we give everyone. And then some people don't make it after the boot camp. It's a way for us to kind of weed out people who we think just won't be a fit. All right. Now you got to you have to tell us about that because that's interesting. That sounds like a reality show. <laughs> who's getting weeded out? Who, what are the characteristics of somebody who's not making it that first week? If they're not showing up to the to the uh, meetings, if they're not even showing up, if they're not submitting their homework on time, if we feel that their work is going to be, it's going to be more work to train them than it is to get them up to speed. You know, we know that people are going to be less experienced and not as good, but we need to see that like little glimmer of potential in you. And then you have to be enthusiastic and fit the culture of the team. So you have to just get along with others and be polite and and be willing to learn. So the number one thing I look for is somebody who's willing to be coachable. How do you recruit? How do you get them to find out about the internship program? Is there an application process and how are you reviewing those applications? Yeah. So that's, that's a great question. So basically what I, what I've historically done is I've gotten on LinkedIn and I have a large following on LinkedIn that I've grown and I'll take a selfie video and I'll just say, Hey, you know, I'm starting an an internship program. If you guys want to apply, there's a Google form. So they fill out a form. I have all the, you know, the job description in the form. I have them submit writing samples. I have them submit their past experiences. And then, like I said, we have them enroll in a boot camp That's a week long. If they show up, if they do their homework and they do a good job, they then, start on their internship. And um, the primary way of us communicating is through Slack. So Slack has like, I feel like I built my business off of the back of Slack. Yeah. (laughs) And so just communicating on there, having our our little weekly check-ins and everybody kind of has a, a manager or onboarding buddy that kind of helps support them. But that's typically how we do it. Well, it sounds incredible. Well, thanks, Halataha. If you want to hear that conversation, if you think about starting an internship program, go back and listen to episode 37. We have an incredible year in store for 2022. We have so many great small business owners coming on in the near future, and we're going to counsel them to build their business like an airplane. In every episode, you're going to learn a little something more about how your business can be stronger, how it can fly farther, and how it can fly faster. Listen, at the end of every single episode, including this highlight episode, I give you a plan of action. We talk about the conversations we had in the interviews, and I just give you some practical tips on how to actually grow your business. Well, Today, we had all sorts of highlights, so I'm going to give you a plan of action that is super, super simple and covers your entire airplane. The plan of action is this. Go to mybusinessreport.com and answer 12 minutes worth of questions, and I'll send you a 50 to 60-page custom report on how to grow your business. I know it's super hard to get away and make some time, but listen, this is only 12 minutes. And if you answer 12 minutes worth of questions, I'm going to send you a 50 to 60 page custom report all about your business and the parts of your airplane that just aren't working very well. The stuff that needs to be fixed first is what you're going to find out. So just go to mybusinessreport.com. Again, it's free. Thank you so much for spending 2021 with us. It was really an amazing year. I mean, 2020 was terrifying. 2021, we're just sort of recalibrating. I think all of us were doing that, figuring out what the future looks like. My hope is that 2022, your airplane takes off from the runway and starts to fly and starts climbing up to the sky. We want to be with you on that journey, and we want to help you fix the little parts of the airplane while you're in the air so you don't crash. Stick with us. It's going to be a great 2022. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Business Made Simple podcast, where we help you build your business like an airplane so that you can fly it far and fast. See you next week.